I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. the best life podcast and this episode is sponsored by Organifi. So Organifi.com, make sure you guys head over there because they are a health company that we definitely trust and that we use. We love the Organifi products. They have some amazing green juice, red juice, gold, all of the things that help you with your body, health, and mind. And if you enter the best life, all in lowercase, at checkout, you'll get 20% off. So make sure you do that and also tag them on Instagram. I want to see. I'm on my green juice challenge right now still. (laughs) Yeah, you guys, honestly, um, I'll tell you guys a quick little story. We were in Mexico over the last few days and Danny and I, let's just say we ate a lot of tortillas. Oh, Lord. A lot of tortillas. And honestly, I think I have a slight corn allergy. So I got back into the gym over the last day or so and my joints were really inflamed and I took a huge dose of their turmeric. Their turmeric is this amazing blend um, and the way that it's processed, it's super, super high grade, you guys. And so I took a huge dose of that and my joints are already feeling a lot better. Like I had a ton of inflammation going off, eating (laughs) all of the corn chips and all of the corn tortillas. Um, And so we rely heavily on Organifi for all of the the awesomeness to get our micros, uh, for herbs, et cetera. And so we really want you guys to check them out and definitely tag them and use the best life when you check out to get your discount. All right, hey everybody, welcome to the Best Life Podcast, episode four. Hi. This is Danny J. <laughs> and Jill Coleman. Welcome to The Best Life, you guys. Super pumped. Um, love hearing from you all about what you are interested in, what you're struggling with, what you want to hear more about. And the thing that we want to talk about today is something that we hear all the time from women, career gals, moms, uh, and men as well. And we're fresh off a retreat that we were just out of the last few days in Mexico. And there was a facilitator there who was helping a lot of us kind of make some major breakthroughs emotionally with some relationships, professionally, etc. And one thing that seemed to come up quite a bit was on the subject of boundaries, boundaries with our professionally and those relationships, romantic relationships, as well as uh, loved ones and family. And a lot of times we don't notice how much of an impact potentially not having boundaries with other people in our lives is stifling our growth. And so we want to talk about how to overcome that, why it's important, etc. So Danny, from your perspective, why is having boundaries, creating boundaries, enforcing boundaries something that people really need help with? Yeah, boundaries are, I think one of the things when it comes to boundaries is there's like two sides of it, right? You'll have somebody who's who realizes boundaries are really important because they want to protect themselves. And then there's other people who maybe feel that if they set boundaries, that it's somehow being selfish or that it's going to cut people off or make them not be liked. Like if there's boundaries, then somehow it's, it's that like people pleasing personality that mm-hmm. I think has one of the bigger issues with boundaries. But I think what's really important is to know that, um, you know, you get to set your own boundaries. Um, you get to set what those look like to you and how it feels to you. 
And ultimately, I think having boundaries and having uh, knowing what you will tolerate or knowing what you, what you will accept allows you to have more freedom and allows people to know how to behave around you. I think we really one of the things I like to teach is that we teach people how to treat us. Mm -hmm. And I think by having boundaries, people are able to know how to treat you and how to show up for you. I love that. We, we teach you how to treat us because in my experience, it's been in the relationships that I have not had any boundaries or have not enforced that I end up showing up really resentful. Yeah. And so a lot of times we just think, and, and I've said this a million times, I'm super guilty of this, of saying, it's just easier not to say it, or, you know what, I'm just going to let it slide, or I'm just going to, you know, I don't even want to bring it up because I know what they're going to say, making assumptions. So a lot of times we don't enforce boundaries or create them because we think it's easier to just not have the confrontation, what, what we think we're perceived to be this big confrontation. Yeah. And we'll talk about um, today some of the ways in which you can actually start having these conversations with other people in your life. And they don't have to be, in my experience, huge confrontations. They can be very clear and honest conversations. Yeah. Um, and it's like ripping off a Band-Aid. A lot of this stuff is really scary. But once you kind of have that very first conversation or that very first real talk with somebody, that's where the most pain is. And on the other side of that is like all this ease and liberation, so long as you're able to continue to enforce it right and of course there's kind of some back and forth that we'll talk about as well yeah totally it's funny because you know jill has a puppy now um a, like a year old but if you think about it when you're training a dog you have to set boundaries as far as what they're allowed to do and it's it's funny because by actually setting those boundaries for let's say a dog or even children um i think it's really really important in parenting it actually makes the other person or the animal or the child feel safer because they know what's expected of them and so while Sometimes I think we expect other people to know what our boundaries are because maybe they do something that we would never do. So we just assume people will act or treat us the same as we would be treated. It's not always the case. And by having the conversation, yeah, it might feel scary to have the conversation. But as Jill said, oftentimes it just opens up um, a deepness and a, a deeper connection with the person. And it allows you to actually go deeper because now they know. And quite often, I think a lot of the times the person just didn't know. They didn't necessarily want to cross any lines or if they did, then it was really time for you to be able to, to speak up and practice that. Exactly. I love that so much. And, you know, a couple of things that I want to clarify before we get started is um, oftentimes I think you hit the nail on the head when you say we get upset or we get mad because we would never do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so instead of communicating that to them or saying that's not okay or that's not acceptable to me, a lot of times we will just take it on and then talk to someone else about how upsetting this one relationship is. Right. But I want to clarify because in my experience, it's not about the other person having to change mm -hmm. or do anything. It's about the way that we're showing up to the relationship. So one of my favorite things to say is your relationships are your responsibility, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times we're like, well, I would be fine if they would just do this one thing, right? Or it would, it would be so easy if they could just do this thing. And we know this as, you know, someone, people who are married for, and if you guys are listening and you've been in long-term relationships, romantic relationships, friendships, you know that sometimes we just want people to be different. Yeah. And this isn't about getting people on the same page or even doing the same thing. All it is is about communication. And so that moving forward, you can have a joint understanding of what someone else wants. Because remember, you might not know what you want, but guess what? They probably don't know what they want either. So you opening up that dialogue 
allows for, like you said, the relationship to deepen. So I want to uh, really take the blame out of this. I think it's easy to go and blame the other person for not doing something quote unquote right. We just tend to blame them or we tend to, on the other hand, maybe show up with this like bomb dropping honesty, like see if you can handle me now. And that's not what this is about either that's really more about you know stating your your preferences stating your desires your wants your needs and then allowing for the other person to have their response as well to that so and i think that's too why sometimes our people are afraid to have the conversation it's like what if i tell them i'm not going to tolerate this anymore what if i tell the person how i feel and i want it to change and they leave or they don't want to be around me anymore so we get scared of rejection and so we actually tolerate things that we don't like that we don't want to be around because we're afraid of losing the relationship and we'll talk more about that um, kind of through the steps but I think that is definitely a big reason why people won't even have the conversation to begin with which is a valid fear but it's there's a lot of ways around that so we'll go through kind of those steps yeah I think a lot of times we think about it, that, there's only two options right it's either we don't say anything mm-hmm. and we just take it on yep so I want to remind all of us that if we're in a situation that we are complaining about and yet at the same time not doing anything different to change the circumstance, chances are we're getting something out of that relationship, some sort of self-worth out of that relationship. So for example, I work with a lot of women who feel relied upon from their friends, their family, etc. And a lot of times they don't want to change something because they like the feeling of being needed. Mm-hmm. And that may not be a really comfortable truth, but I think I know for myself for a long time, I put a lot of self-worth into being super busy and having a lot on my plate and being needed in a lot of different spaces and by a lot of different people. So for example, if you feel like you don't have boundaries or you feel like you're not enforcing them because people are asking you for things constantly and you're feeling put out, ask yourself, is there something in there that I need? in order to continue to feel good about myself. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's just uh, something to start examining and then ask yourself, if I do change this relationship, what is that gonna look like? And so do you wanna get into the first, our little framework that we created? Yeah, yeah. So. And I just want to come back to your point, too, about the busyness. You know, I think when we're talking about boundaries, initially my thought goes to relationships, but it also goes to your time. Um, It goes to not just family, but coworkers saying yes to things you don't want to say yes to. You know, protecting your time, protecting yourself. Physical boundaries. There's so many things, but it's funny, the busy thing. It's like I remember complaining, and like you said, you become resentful. But definitely for me, also being busy was a badge of honor like look at all these people who need me and then at the same time I'd be complaining about the thing that I somehow felt good about so yeah examining yourself and actually that just goes right into number one so we're going to do the three C's this is going to help you with your boundaries and the first one is curiosity so really looking in and going okay what is this about um like getting really introspective um asking yourself what do I want this is actually really something that might be difficult because let's just say this is a relationship and maybe somebody's crossing some lines that you are just uncomfortable with. Maybe they're just constantly asking for your time or calling you when you just don't have the time to talk to them and just pushing boundaries that way. So getting introspective and just asking what you would really want. And sometimes if you don't know what you want, it's like 
taking a look at what you don't want. I don't want phone calls at 2 a.m. I don't want phone calls every 15 minutes. I don't want texts every single time. So trying to know what you do want sometimes can be a tricky one, but knowing what you don't want might be the best place to start. And being able to just draw a line in the sand of what you will and will not accept or tolerate any longer. So number one is curiosity. Yeah, I think there's a lot, and I'll just add to that really quick, is I think there is a lot of work to do ahead of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that in a second, but ahead of the conversation, um, in order to be able to even communicate your needs to somebody and not, I know a lot of us maybe come to a conversation high emotion because we just get triggered. And when we do that, we haven't had the time to really like prepare and think about what we wanted to say. And so curiosity is about taking some time and asking yourself, what do I want this relationship to look like moving forward? I'll give you guys a quick example. I used to work with a client who was a mom and she was also a grandma. And she had a lot of people asking her for different things. Can you bring me here? Can you take me here? I don't want to go alone. Can you pick this up, etc. Heavily relied upon and in many ways liked it while at the same time complaining about it, right? So we probably all recognize that scenario. So I asked her to give me an example and she said, well, my daughter likes for me to go, if she wants to go to the mall, she wants me to go with her. And I said, could your daughter go by herself? And she said, yes. And I said, well, what if you said, you know what? I'm really not up for it this time. I have something else to do. Can you go by yourself? She said, I feel really guilty. Mm-hmm. I'd feel really guilty. And I said, what if she stopped asking you to go to the mall? She said, I'd feel bad. Mm. So you have to start to think about what's the alternative look like. She, I mean, she went through because what she wanted and she wanted to have the boundaries more than she wanted to be relied upon. But you have to ask yourself, what's the trade-off? So moving forward, what's that relationship going to look like? Someone might not rely on you anymore for that certain thing. And you need to be okay with that, right? So just as you're going to be getting more freedom and more of a feeling of independence, you're also going to be giving up some things. So ask yourself, what do you not want in that relationship? And also, what are you willing to give up as a result of that? What would be the worst case scenario? Your daughter never asks you to take her to the mall anymore. Could you let it go and not feel bad about that and just say, you know what? She's an adult. She can go by herself. She doesn't need me every second. In fact, me always going might be a disservice to her. So all of those kind of questions examine not only what you want, but the exact scenarios moving forward and do a lot of this on your own. Take out a journal or whatever and write down this stuff in terms of what you want so that when you are in the situation of the conversation, you can clearly state it so that they get it. The guilt thing is really interesting, especially when it comes to parenting. I see a lot of, um, I was on a trip relatively recently and someone said they needed to check in with their daughter every day that she was eight years old and she needed her like the daughter needed the mom to check in and I was like does she really need you or do you need her and it's interesting we get really attached or put our we we think that we are so needed but I almost feel like in a way that's selfish to think that you are the most important thing and also to the other point is to be able to maybe give the child a chance to go a day or two without conversation with the mother and and let them actually have some independence and learn that because really are we teaching people to are we teaching people to lean on us and need us or are we teaching them to be independent and you have to really ask yourself is is that what you're trying to do are you trying to enable behavior that you are saying that you don't want yeah and i know that when we talk about moms you know obviously Jane and i neither one of us have children so i would never assume to know what it's like to be a mom 
but I can give you an example as a coach. So, and I know you have the same, a similar situation or you have had similar situations. So Jill Fit was about a year and a half old and we were doing all one-on-one fat loss meal plans. So 12 week programs, people would come in. I had five coaches working for me at the time and they would get a, you know, get email access to us, text access, etc. And we just didn't really understand boundaries. We didn't understand policy. We didn't, we just said, you know what? People will just know what to do. We assumed our clients would know how to communicate with us in a way that was respectful and uh, frankly normal. And it all kind of came to a head. It was a year and a half in and one of my coaches got 73 text messages from a client on a Sunday. And at first, what did we do? Can you believe this chick? She's crazy, right? She's crazy. How does she need, like, why does she need us this much, right? We would never do that. She's crazy. The first inclination was to complain. Yep. Second inclination was I created this. I was like, we did this. Not only do we allow for this to happen, but we're doing her a disservice because now she can't even make any decisions without us. And so we went back to the drawing board, completely changed our policies to and, and the ways in which we communicated with our clients. And you know what it did? It gave them a lot more freedom, like you said, to struggle through something yep. on their own. I'd have people texting me what kind of like peanut butter to get. They were at the grocery store. And me telling them to get them out with the salt or without was just enabling, enabling, enabling. So I didn't respond. I stopped not responding to those text messages until the next day. And I was like, okay, so let's debrief. What type of peanut butter did you get? I know it sounds like such a silly example, but what type of peanut butter did you get? And then they would say, oh, I got this one because I didn't hear back from you. And I'm like, great, that works or good job. Or, and it allows for them to start now building some self-trust and confidence in their own decision-making so that they're not so reliant on us. So ask yourself in this relationship, am I enabling someone? Or am I allowing for them to grow? And in turn, I get to have what I want to. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of stuff to think about ahead of the conversation. Yeah. Just be curious. Know what you want and know what you don't. If you don't know what you want, know what you don't want. Totally. Okay. So the second one. So the first C is curiosity. That's the work that you're going to do ahead of the conversation. Number two is clear communication. So a double C clear communication of your wants, needs, desires, etc. This is the thing that most people are scared of. You're probably like, okay, Jill and Danny, I can sit down my journal and I, I know what I want. Of course, this is the easy part, right? The hardest part is actually going face to face with somebody. Yep. So clear communication is about actually having the conversation, doing the thing and not doing it in a moment of like extreme emotion when you're getting super triggered and you're totally just emotionally hijacked. We don't want to come to the table with that energy because at that point we're resentful uh, we're angry, we feel put out, we feel hurt, etc. So instead we want to have that clear communication and honest communication of our desires, but again, not in a way that we need them to change. Not in a way that when we say it, we're like, okay, great. So you know what to do now moving forward, right? It's not about us coaching them to be different. And that's what I think a lot of people are scared of is they don't like the idea of I'm going to tell someone how to be different or I'm going to, you know, give them a list of things to do. That's not what this is about. This is about first communicating what it is that you don't like about the relationship or how it makes you feel. One of my, one of, one of my kind of like little tools that I use or little kind of tricks or hacks is before I state what I want, I actually state how I'm feeling. So I'll say something like, you know what? Um, I'm actually a little bit nervous to have this conversation with you. And like, 
you know, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, but I've been a little bit nervous because I'm a little bit scared of how you're going to respond. But you know what? I just really respect you as a person and I love you as a friend or I love you as, you know, someone in my life. And I want to give you the benefit of the doubt that you can handle it and our relationship can handle this. So are you ready? Are you okay with me sharing some stuff with you? When you say that ahead of time, it already a little bit gets them on your team and just kind of uh, lowers the the emotion. So it's not like you're coming straight at them with things that they have to do wrong, right? Because they're going to just get defensive if you do that. Yep. So it's about sharing your insecurities about the conversation first and then stating what it is and being careful to qualify that it's your truth, not the truth, right? So it doesn't have to be the way that they see the relationship, right? You guys have a relationship, two people, two different viewpoints. So you can say, here's how I'm feeling. And I like to say qualification, you're not doing anything wrong. We just haven't had this conversation yet. So you haven't done anything wrong because people will take it like that, right? People will take like, I've messed up or I did something wrong or you don't like me. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that this is the truth about how I feel, but it doesn't have to be your truth. So clearly state what in the relationship doesn't feel okay to you and then invite them to share what about the relationship doesn't feel okay to them. And again, you have to be able to receive that too. If you want reception from them, you have to be able to receive it as well. Tell them that you are open to dialogue about it. And this is not about having to be on the same page. This is not about someone being right and someone being wrong. This is about one thing and that's just understanding. Can you understand this from my perspective? I actually like to use that question. If you were me, could you see where I'm coming from? That's all you need to say. If you were me, could you see where I'm coming from? If not, that's okay. But that's how I feel and I wanna know how you're feeling with things. How is our relationship for you? Is there times where you're upset with me? And if there are, I'd like for you to share that with me. So again, it's not about one person being right, one piece wrong, one person need to change, one person not. It's about just the communication of the situation. And I think once you start down this road, it gets a lot easier. The first discussion, the first conversation is always the hardest because maybe you haven't never interacted with the person this way. You know, people at this Mexico retreat have been married for like 15 years, had never had this this even level of dialogue with someone that they've been with for 15 years. So it might feel out of left field for you to like sit down and have this type of conversation. But if you don't just someone needs to do the first thing first, and then over time, you start to get used to speaking this way a little bit more. I think this is the part two where you state what you you will no longer tolerate or handle or how you will how you will change if it comes up again. So this really is about you and what you are going to do when the behavior happens again. So for my example, um, growing up, my mom and I, we, we fought a lot and we had a lot of, we just had a lot of verbal struggles and screaming matches and she's super hypercritical of me and it seemed no matter what I did, it was just, it was never okay with her. And I moved out the day I turned 18 and we didn't talk for almost four years. And then I actually had to move back in because I was ill. And when I could finally like walk again and leave, you know, she was, she'd have these verbal battles with me. And there was a point where I realized I was an adult and I said, I don't have to take this from her anymore. And I just got to a point where I realized if she talked to me the way that she was talking to me, which was just disrespectful to any human, but we sometimes think we can tolerate things because it's our parent or it's a sibling or it's um, uh, somebody we're 
living with, but I literally just decided she's not going to talk to me like this. If she wants to have a relationship with, with me, I'm not going to tolerate it. And so I told her, if you talk to me like that, I'm just going to leave. And so she would do that. And I would say, okay, bye mom. I'll be back later tonight or tomorrow. I don't know. I'm not come. I'm not going to come home. And she would go, no, you can't leave. Stay here. And she wanted me to just stay here and take it. Like she wanted to just keep yelling at me. And I said, no, I'm disengaging from this conversation. I don't need to fight back. Like that was the usual thing was just mm-hmm. to scream back and we'd end up in these battles. So I said, no, I'm not going to take this. I'm going. And I would just grab the keys, get in the car and leave. And the next day she would start it again. I'm like, okay, bye mom. Got to go get in the car and leave. And it got to a point where she stopped doing it. And of course, I know this is really scary because someone might think, well, it is my mom or it is my husband. And what if I leave and then they just leave and we never talk again? And I guess that could be a possibility. But for me, it was really a matter of going, I can't do this anymore. I really, I had already left for four years and not talked to her. So we had already gone down that path. I didn't want to come back to have this, this discontent in this kind of relationship. And it wasn't healthy for either one of us. And it eventually taught her that she knew where I stood. And if she would even start to get in on the the things that she would lay in on me, I could give her a look and she would just stop. And she got to the point where she just knew that I wasn't going to accept it. And if she wanted to continue a relationship with me, she knew she had to shift it. And it wasn't about her fault. It was just what I couldn't, I just didn't want to take it anymore. Nobody should have had to take the things that she was saying. It just, whether, and it's funny because the people who love us the most often can push our buttons the most. And so although I didn't do it as diplomatically as Jill just walked us through because I was 23 and there was a lot of fighting, I did try to just, instead of going back to the screaming, just quietly walk out and just walk away. And so, of course, I understand those conversations can be tough and they can be heightened and there can be a lot of emotional triggers. And sometimes you might just have to simply say, especially if the other person is combative, um, you might just literally do have to walk away and say, I'm not going to be here while you talk this way. I'll come back when you're calm. And especially in the case of maybe verbal abuse or somebody who just gets really angry and simply saying, I'm not going to be talked to like this anymore. I'm not going to have somebody treat me this way and I'm going to leave. When I come back, we can have the conversation or every time we go down this road, I'm going to leave again. And um, yeah, it can be, it can be super scary, but I think just deciding at that point when you have the conversation or even your example of the person texting, you know, I can imagine having the conversation saying, hi, um, client, I got 73 texts from you this weekend. And I understand that it's been my fault because I've been responding to every single one of your texts. And to be honest, the weekends are my family time and I can no longer do that. So, you know, feel free to text, but do not expect a response from me. And maybe you set up a new boundary of saying, if you text me, I may respond back within 24 hours, but don't expect anything instantly. And at that point, you draw your line in the sand of what to expect from you going forward if they continue to do the behavior that they're doing that you're not really liking. And it's like, as Jill said, it's not their fault or it's not about blaming, but you have to decide what are you going to do if the behavior continues going forward. Yeah, which kind of brings me to the thing that we're, I think we're the most scared of, which is the outcome, mm-hmm. right? So for example, in the, in the example of texting the client and I'm like, hey, I know it's not your fault, but moving forward, this is going to be the new policy. I had to be ready for them to be like, okay, I quit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I'm going to, and so I'm going to have to lose. I'm like, my business might actually financially suffer as a result of that client.
client leaving for changing the policy. So one thing that I hear over and over and over again is people are scared to have these conversations because they don't want to disappoint someone. Disappointment is huge. This especially happens with children and parents and parents and kids. So um, I just talked to a friend of mine recently who was really scared to share something with his grandfather. He had a family business and his grandfather wanted him to do certain things in the family business and it just wasn't him. But he was he respected his grandfather so much. And so one of the qualifying statements that I use because I've had to do this with my own father is using it doesn't mean I don't love you. So that I've used that statement like so many times to share my truth in a way that allows for them to know that they didn't do anything wrong, that it doesn't mean that they're not amazing and I don't respect them and I don't love them, but I need to do something because this is my life, right? You need to do something different because that was your life. Yeah. And so the, um, you know, kind of navigating that disappointment. And I wanted to say, you know, one other thing before we move on, and that was triggered by the, our ret- retreat in Mexico this past week. And by the way, you guys, make sure you follow Philip McKernan. We'll make sure that we link to him in the show notes because he facilitated the event and he's just an amazing, he just created such a safe space for us. And the thing that he asked was, are you doing the thing that you're asking the other person to do? So for example, maybe we feel discontent because we don't feel appreciated. We don't feel respected. We feel taken advantage of. We don't feel, you know, affirmed. I talk to, you know, couples all the time who say that they don't feel appreciated by their partner. Are you showing them appreciation? Mm -hmm. Are you showing them love? Are you showing them the kind of attention and affirmation that you're asking for? Or when they ask you something, are you resentful and bitter and are you using passive aggressive behavior? Like, how are you showing up to the relationship? So remember, like Danny said, you have to know what your truth is and what you want moving forward. But you also have to ask yourself, like, have I been showing up in the way that I want to be treated? And I think it's really important to ask yourself those things as you go into that relationship. And if yeah, if the answer is yes, you have done everything that you could possibly do to show them the things, maybe they have a different need in the relationship. They feel appreciated. They feel they don't feel taken advantage of, but they have a different need that's not being met. And be open to that dialogue. You know, even in the case of your mom, she was you weren't the problem. Like something else was the problem, sure. right? Like but it was just it was ended up being kind of towards you because you were right there, right? And she felt like maybe you were the place that she could control that thing. Yeah. So it wasn't even about you per se. And so at that point, all you can do is what you did, which yep. is state your truth. And then the third step, which is the third C, which is being consistent. Consistency. Yeah. Consistency is so, so, so crucial, right? So let's say that I told my mom that when she speaks to me, I'm going to walk out, but then I start to, maybe she does, she lays into me and I stay and I stick around. And then the next time I leave and then the next time I stay, it just confuses people and they don't actually know what your boundaries are. They don't know if you're really serious. It's kind of the same thing with, with children, like saying you have a bedtime, but then always letting them stay up. And then you get mad because they're like, they're whining that it's not their bedtime. And you're like, why do my kids never listen to me? Why do they cry? And they disobey when I tell them bedtimes at eight. Well, it's because you never consistently actually kept the bedtime at eight. So they know if they whine at you that you're going to give in. So it's really consistency is truly important. And it's one of the things that I've struggled with for sure with certain relationships. And it's one of the ones that is really the most important of like really holding to your boundaries because that really does teach people how to treat you. And it doesn't, it doesn't confuse 
the relationship more. This is how you get the relationship that you want, right? So you can state it. You can have one conversation. And, and by the way, you're probably going to have to have multiple conversations because the first conversation is the toughest. And then after that, it gets easier and it gets easier and it gets easier. And you're starting to teach people how to treat you. And consistency is about one simple thing. It's about knowing what your line of the sand is. And if that line is crossed, you do the thing you said you were going to do. And so you have to be ready to do that. You have to be ready to do that, right? So for example, if you're struggling with something with a significant other, if your line in the sand is crossed and how do you know that? I know for me, my line in the sand is crossed if I start to lose respect for myself. That's it. If I start to lose respect for myself, something there is not okay and I need to take the action I need to take. And if that means that you said you were gonna leave if this continued, guess what? You have to fucking leave. Yep. And that's really scary. So give yourself a little mental pep talk and understand what the potential consequences are. Because we have a choice, right? We can be mad at the person for doing it to make us leave, or we can take 100% responsibility and ownership for the fact that we want something different and it might actually take something this crazy. I don't think it has to, by the way, but it might take something this drastic in order to change that relationship. So what is your line in the sand? Know it. And if it happens, again, you might lose the client. You might leave the marriage. You might leave for a while. You might, like, there needs to be some sort of consequence. Yeah, when you um, actually mentioned the leaving, like leaving a relationship, remind yourself, too, that this isn't about manipulating someone's behavior. Because I think we can go, well, if my spouse looks at another woman, I'm going to leave. And then Mm -hmm. you catch him like staring at some chick. You're like, all right, I'm out of here. And you don't go because you didn't really want to, but you're really just trying to manipulate his behavior. Mm -hmm. It's you have to really go, okay, what, what is this about? Is this me? Is this about me trying to control someone else and what they do? Or is this really a boundary that I, I really, really need respected. So know your boundaries and don't try to quote unquote, use boundaries as an excuse to manipulate someone else's behavior that you just don't like. You have to really know, like, is this something you really truly can't tolerate? And are you able to, to enforce what you're actually saying you're going to do? Yeah. And this doesn't need to only be in romantic relationships, by the way, this can be in friendships, you know, cause I think a lot of people are really scared to lose a friendship over something. I don't think that it always has to be that. I'll give you guys a quick example. I've had major, majorly uncomfortable conversations with every single one of my closest friends and family members. And I care so much about those relationships that to me, it's worth being in that discomfort. And so I had a friend, this was a couple years ago, who I felt like was taking out her frustrations on me. And I was like, okay, I understand she's stressed. I understand she's stressed. I understand she's stressed. And I kept letting it go and letting it go. And then it all kind of came to a head. And I was like, you know what? I don't like this. And I'm just going to state my truth. And so I reached out to her and I said, can we talk? And I said, here's how I'm feeling. And I'm not accusing you of anything, but I'm feeling as though your frustrations or are towards me. And I'm, I don't know why I'm trying to figure out what about what's going on for you that, that you're taking them out on me. I'm, I'm here for you. I love you. This doesn't mean anything about a relationship, but I need to have this conversation with you. Are you okay? 
Like, are you okay? And I used it. Doesn't mean I don't love you. And it was uncomfortable, but we both, we got on the same page because we both actually wanted the same thing, which was to deepen the connection and, yeah. and have open dialogue and be able to communicate and come to find out it wasn't even about me, right? It was about some stress that she had shame and some guilt over that she didn't share with me because she was scared to. And so she was like, it's not about you, but it's about this other thing. And I could really use your support. And I'm like, I got you. Yeah. And so well, I think a lot of times try not to make the assumption that it needs to be like my way or the highway. And also, like you said, it's not about doing something. So I'm going to leave. So they chase me. Yeah. You have to be ready to leave and then not chase you and, and go and do what you need to do for you. And that's really scary too. But I don't think it always has to be my way or the highway. I think it can be, like you said, pick and choose your battles, a couple of non-negotiables and everything else you have to communicate through. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the big questions I would imagine people would have is, what if I lose the relationship? What if they, for my mom, I, I mean, I hear this a lot from a lot of people with parents. They're like, my mom is just whatever she is. She's controlling or she she parents my kids and I can't stand it, but I don't want to lose my mom. Or it, mm-hmm. or, or, or just the excuse, yep. it's my mom. Like, as if that's an okay just to let her do whatever she wants. Or it's my dad and we kind of brush these away even though we can't stand it. It makes our skin crawl. We don't want our parents to come over, but we feel like, well, I want my kids to have a relationship with, with their grandparent. So I'm going to talk tolerate it because my kids need the relationship. But you also have to look at what are the kids seeing and witnessing and how is that really, you have to undo everything you didn't want them to do. So I, I think it's so important to have those conversations, especially with grandparents and parenting children. And you know, when you're an adult, you're an adult. Um, Maybe your four-year-old shouldn't sit down and tell you their boundaries (laughs) of like, mom, I'm going to make my own bed bedtime, but you're an adult and your parents are adults. So those kind of conversations can be had and you do have to also trust them that they can handle it like Jill said one of the conversations or things you can say in the conversation is that I trust you can handle this and also just allow yourself to trust that they can handle it and don't assume you know how they are going to react or what they're going to say because that's something that can get us in trouble that's one of the things that keeps us from having the conversation well we we tend to say well, well I, I already know say. yeah I already know what they're gonna say I already know how they're gonna react I already know what they're gonna do and guess what they might actually do that thing yep but it's not for that it's for the experience yeah. yeah they might do they might do the flip out that you expected and you can go okay well that was what I expected and so that's the worst thing that it could happen and now um, I'm going to actually draw my line in the sand and we're gonna move forward and by the way to that point I think most people are scared of the outcome most people are scared of the fallout most people are scared of the other person's emotions towards them mm-hmm. so we're scared they're gonna be disappointed we're scared that they're gonna be angry they're gonna be mad they're gonna storm out whatever it is and allow for them to have that don't try to manage it I can just speak from my own marriage like early on the relationship I remember if I would have a conversation and I definitely did not bring it up diplomatically it would be from like just being emotionally hijacked and my partner would have his response and then I would be so scared of his response that he was going to leave me and I would get so scared that I would be like just forget I said anything actually let's just go back to it's okay it's okay it's okay it's fine no it's fine it's totally fine I was trying to erase the interaction that we had just had because I couldn't handle his being upset. That's the scariest thing. But guess what? The other person deserves to have the full experience. So what does that look like? What does it look like to allow someone to have their emotional response without you trying to manage it and control it, which you can't, 
Like, it definitely never worked when I was like, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't mean to say that, right? Like, that doesn't, it, it would have been better had we had maybe just, I had allowed for that to happen and we could have continued the conversation instead of having to like stifle it, cut it off, etc. So allow for the other person to have the full response and then come back to the table. That means you not talking and you may be listening. Again, you don't have to take it personal. You don't have to change anything as a result, but be open to the person is not necessarily going to just completely agree with you. And so the kind of understanding that you're asking for, make sure that you're open and understanding of their response as well. Yep. I think with, when it comes down to boundaries and like I said at the beginning, I think people who tend to be the people pleasers have one of the hardest times with this because they're so worried about hurting someone else or not being available to everyone. But I will just challenge you to think about the people that you have the most respect for. I tend to find that the people who I respect the most actually have very clear boundaries. Sure. Um, I I know what to expect when I when I talk to Jill. Um, I know when she talks to me that she'll tell me if I if <laughs> I remember actually when I stayed at her house in February 2016. She was in Australia for a month and she came home um, maybe two days before we were planning to leave. And I asked if we could stay an extra two days. And she said, no, I'm actually, you know, I kind of need some alone time. And I actually so appreciated that because she could have said, yeah, that's fine. And been really uncomfortable and really annoyed that two people were staying in her house. And she would have tolerated it. And then deep down been resentful and annoyed that we were there. And instead she just told us that it wasn't okay. And I didn't take it personally. Like, oh man, she's rude. She didn't let us stay two more days. We just found a place to go. And it was just, I really respected her even more for her ability to say, Hey, I just need some, some space. And I think we get scared of that. Like we don't want to put anyone else out. So we're putting ourselves out all of the time. And I really think that to be honest, more people will respect you or have more respect and also really take what you have to say to heart instead of thinking you're wishy-washy. When you say a yes, they're going to know it's a yes. When they say it's, you say no, it's a no. And because you are clear with your boundaries and you mean yes when you say yes and you mean no when you say no. They can trust you. Yeah. Like I know that you trust me to tell you exactly how I feel and you know what your response how you were totally just like, cool, got it. No problem. That to me was like, I just knew I was like this bitch, you know, like we're, we're together. Right. We, we're, we're tight. Like I get that. We know how to communicate with one another. And I think it helped not only us to be able to take each other at face value, but just trust yep. that what you say is the truth. Cause I know for me, I'm not in the business of trying to uncover hidden meanings and ulterior <laughs> motives. Right. I just won't do that. So whatever you say to my face is what I will act upon. And you know what, on that, on that note too, let's just say for example, Jill told me you can't stay. And I went behind her back and go, Oh my God, she wouldn't let us stay two more days. What's the big deal? That's my stuff. That's totally on me. And so it really is when you set these boundaries and going back to teaching people how to treat you, I would have known, I would have maybe just decided I don't like Jill anymore because she's selfish. And that would have been in my own head, but she told me or taught me at that level how to treat her and I would never ask her again. So it still kept her safe in her own boundaries and how she wanted to be treated. And it really is about, cause it, if she had done the like the thing to keep the peace for the moment, it could have just continued on and on. And I could have been one of those friends that was just like a user and constantly just asking for favors and pushing and pushing and pushing until she couldn't stand it and either avoided me or we ended the friendship. And so it really is, it's sometimes we think, oh, this is just the one time, but it tends to 
happen again and again and again. And so I would just challenge you to also look if certain things or there's patterns of people coming to you again and again, or maybe multiple people doing the same thing or asking the same thing of you that you're resenting or that you're upset about, that you might just be doing the people pleasing thing and you have to just kind of stand up for what you're really wanting. I look at honest communication and having those kind of conversations almost like, not I want to say a test because I'm not testing out someone, but I remember very clearly in that example, and I've done this several times since with other people, and by the way, I'm not attached to being right. Like like you said, I had to be ready for Danny to be like, well, Jill's a bitch and like go and gossip about me to someone else and like whatever, and I was okay with that, but I, I remember consciously being like, you know what, I'm. it would have been so easy and like, you, you know, I love you guys, so it would have been like so easy for, and no problem. Like, and I wouldn't even have thought about it, but I remember saying, you know what? I really want to see how Danny responds to this. Cause at that point you and I weren't as close. Yeah. And so I remember saying, I really want to see how Danny and her response is going to tell me everything I need to know about her as a friend. And so, or a friend for me, by the mm-hmm. way. And so I, I do, I've done that several times and you know that like whenever we're talking, like, should I say something? I'm like, you know what? You might want to say something cause it will get everyone's cards on the table as quickly as possible. And I like that. Cause otherwise what are we doing? Right. We're just continue to placate and please and placate and please to just keep the peace when nothing is actually moving forward. And guess what? That person doesn't know the real you yep. because you haven't shown them mm-hmm. the real you. Yeah. So powerful. So like just some recap. So the three C's we started with one was curiosity. So just deciding what you are wanting out of the relationship or vice versa of what you don't want in the relationship, drawing your line in the sand. Two was clear communication or having the conversation, just actually sitting the person down and just spilling it out. And the third was consistency, deciding how you're going to enforce it and just doing it over and over and over again in the practice. So, yeah. And I, you know, I can promise you guys, this gets a lot easier and I'm sure for you, it has too. the first time is always a hard time. Cause that's your operating system. Your operating system is as a people pleaser, as someone who placates, as someone who, you know, sweeps things under the rug. I was that for many, many years for the first like 33 years of my life. It gets so much easier. And again, it's not about one person being right and one person being wrong. It's just about having the conversation and you can even just agree to disagree. And that's okay too, but it's about, could you see where I'm coming from? And I'm going to be changing the way that I interact. You don't have to do anything. I'm going to be changing the way that I'm interacting and then allow the other person to have their full experience. And I think one of the last pieces of this is we all know you don't have to change and you don't have to have this conversation and you can just ask yourself, what will this look like if I never say anything? And you have that opportunity as well. So it just really comes down to you deciding, do I want this to change? And if I do, I'm going to have to make some decisions and have a few hard conversations that could end up being for the benefit of everyone, especially myself. So you have the option to do it or not. It's all on you, but well, make sure you guys give us feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If this is useful for you. And if you do go ahead and have some of those uncomfortable conversations, um, let us know how it goes. And again, it is going to be a little bit messy, but it does get easier. The more clear you are on what you want. And I guarantee you, your relationships are going to deepen so much more as a result. Yes. We'd love to hear your stories. Make sure you go to the best life podcast.com. So you can join our Facebook group and join the conversation. And I'll debrief a little bit. Yeah. I can't <laughs> wait to hear. I love hearing people's stories. So, whether it's a relationship with parents, with spouse, with kids, with grandparents, uh, with work people, with bosses. So let us know how it goes and we will see you next time. All right, bye.